I do. I like you, man. Well, good morning. It's spring, right? Can I get an amen for that? We uh, lived on an island for the last couple of years, so uh, the temperature in my office has set at around 80, 85. That's how I like it. I'm thinking of dropping that down somewhere into the mid-70s this week. Maybe. No one will come in my office. Uh, it's a good day to glorify God, right? Oh, I am a little nervous. My daughter's at that weird stage where she's kind of moving from the kids' church to out here. And she's right there in the front. Hi, Zoe. I told her I'd say hi to her. Okay, so today's Advanced Sunday, so we have to move a little bit quicker. We're going to do a lot of scripture today, uh, so let's get right into it. If you will turn into your Bibles or your devices to Isaiah 41. And I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles, get your phones, uh, get a Bible app on your phones. It's good to be able to navigate through the Bible for if you're evangelizing, if you're at home and you need to find something. So um, if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. We have some uh, in the entryway. All right. Isaiah 41, verse 8 through 10. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corner, saying to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I don't know about you guys, but... Anytime I read the Bible, I like to pretend that I'm the audience, like the Bible speaking to me directly. And I hope that you kind of put yourself in that same situation. It's a good thing to do. A good portion of the Bible is for you today. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He wasn't just saying that to Timothy. Of course, he was writing it to Timothy. But the church has always understood that message is for all of us. Those are, these are timeless principles, eternal truths for the body of Christ to learn from. And again, this doesn't mean that everything you read in the Bible is for you or requires action by you if you read about Jericho. You know, you're not going to fly to the Middle East and walk around the city a few times with your, with your friends, right? That's history. It's not necessarily for you. But I believe this passage from Isaiah is for us. And it speaks about fear. There are two types of fear in the Bible. There's good fear and there's bad fear. The good fear is fear of the Lord. Fear of God. That's a, a profound awe when you experience God and you fall on your face and you shut your eyes as tight as you can to get away but you can't and you don't want to because it's God you experience the glory of God with every fiber of your being and you realize how unworthy you are how sinful you are in the presence of such a holy perfect God that's the good fear and we only get to experience that in glimpses here. We get to experience it fully 
in the next life, after we leave this world. Now, the other fear is the one we're going to focus on today. It's the bad fear. It's the fear we have of everything else. There's a movie called After Earth that came out while we were overseas. I don't know if you guys have heard of it or not, but it's a science fiction movie. Will Smith is the main star. And uh, it got a bad rap because of the ties to Scientology, I think it was. And uh, when it came out in the theaters, it was a dud. Horrible reviews. It was just a rotten movie uh, by most accounts. Personally, I liked it. I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was interesting. And here's a real quick synopsis. Uh, Earth is uninhabitable. Everybody moves out of the uh, out of the uh, atmosphere into space. Everybody leaves Earth, and uh, a couple of thousand years later, or a million years, I don't know, Will Smith and his son are traveling through space. They crash land on Earth. Right? Evolution has happened. All the creatures on Earth are made now to kill people. And this is the situation they find themselves in. Now, Will Smith's son, his real son, who's in the movie, has to travel across the wilderness, pick up a part, bring it back in order to save save the day. And he's terrified. So Will Smith's character motivates his son. This is what he says to him. Fear is not real. It is a product of the thing of the thoughts you create. Don't misunderstand me. Danger is real. But fear is a choice. It's a very powerful part of the movie, maybe the best part. And spoiler alert, in case uh, you want to know what happens, cover your ears if you don't. Uh, Will Smith's son, uh, through, with the help of a giant eagle friend, saves the day, saves his father, and becomes a hero. All right. And I'm going to tell you something about Will Smith, about what Will Smith's character said concerning fear. He is absolutely correct when it comes to the bad fear fear of stuff other than God and that's what we're going to talk about and let me just demonstrate this to you exhibit A fear is defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the idea that someone or something is dangerous likely to cause pain or a threat. By definition, fear is not a real thing. Exhibit B. On the wall behind me are some things we fear. Look at those for just a minute. We even made up scientific names for these things. There are treatments for these things. Humans are in the business of finding things to be afraid of. It's crazy, right? Oh, something on my left side of my body there? All right. I have fears. I struggle with fears. Please don't think that since we're pastors that we're way up here. We've mastered fear, and you guys are way down here. We're, we're a lot closer than you think. We're all in this together. So what about you? 
What's your biggest fear? Think of that biggest fear. What's the one thing that terrifies you more than anything else? I just heard someone say, never mind, I'm not going to say it. Are you afraid of anything? Of course you are. How do I know? Because I'm a person. I'm a human. I know everybody I know has a fear, a fear of something. And you guys do too. If we ask all the women in this room if they're afraid of something, most of them will say yes. Men, not so much. Men are a little more reluctant to admit fears. Uh, you know, but we all have fears. Fear is in Scripture over 300 times. If, if we as people weren't afraid, God wouldn't put it in there that much. Almost every time something happens in the Bible, people are afraid. Moses shows up, people are afraid. He leaves, people are afraid. It rains, people are afraid. Someone has a dream, everyone's afraid. Fear is a part of our fallen state. That's not to say God gave us fear. We did this all by ourselves. Now maybe you're fearful about retirement. Maybe it's violence. Violence out in town. Violence at home. Violence from terrorists. Maybe you're afraid you're going to spend eternity in hell. And that happens to be an easy one. That's an easy fix. Believe that Jesus came here, that he was the son of God. That he came for your sins. That he was crucified. That he died. That he was buried. That he rose again. That he conquered death and sin and ascended into heaven. And then follow him. That's one fear gone. That's how easy it is. I can preach just about that. It doesn't have to be confusing. It's simple. Believe that and you can scratch that fear off your list. And maybe you're like me and you're fearful about your, your spouse or your child or children being hurt or injured. That's kind of, when, you know, when you're a parent, that's one of the ultimate fears. It kind of goes like this. Your child has a backache, polio, spinal fracture, right? Stomach ache, pain right here. What's that? Appendicitis, yeah. Headache is a brain injury or aneurysm. Or a skull fracture if Sam is your son. <laughs> Don't do that. Your kid has a runny nose. It's a cold. Take him to the playground. Let him play with other kids. <laughs> all right? It's all right. That's what I tell myself. I wouldn't do that. That's what I tell myself. The point is we all have fears, the bad ones. And God has an answer for that. So let's see what God wants us to do about fear fingers ready. We're going through the Bibles here. Stretch out your thumbs if you have a device. Back in Isaiah, God addresses the Israelites. Verse 8 reads, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. Don't you like that part, my friend? Do you know that if you're a disciple of Christ, that God considers you his friend? What, do you think he's mad at you? He's just sitting up there watching you, waiting to judge you, waiting to smite you when you mess up, waiting to drop the hammer. It's not like that. When he sees you, when God gazes upon you, he sees his son. 
And he loves his son. And he loves you because of his son. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of salvation. If you are a believer, you're God's friend. Verse 9 reads, You whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Are you waiting for God to cast you off? Are you worried about your salvation? If you're a believer, you shouldn't be. In John's Gospel, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from life to death. And later he says, I give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He's talking about you, if you're a believer. If you need more assurance, read John's Gospel. You'll find your assurance there. Then you can check that fear off your list. So is God speaking to us in this old Isaiah passage? Or is he speaking just to the Israelites? The answer is both. He spoke to them, and he speaks to us as well. This is timeless. How do we know? We're going to look at that. Because he did the things he did for them, he does for us. He gathers us from the ends of the earth. He calls us from its farthest corners. He chose us as his servants. He doesn't cast us off. We are saved, and we stay saved. Verse 10 reads, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, be not dismayed. I had to look up the word dismayed. Because I've never said, gee, I'm dismayed. I just never use that word. It just means to lose enthusiasm, to be discouraged. So God says, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. But again, are we sure God's talking to us? We want to nail that down. Well, Pastor Bill likes to remind us, let the Bible interpret the Bible. Let the Bible confirm the Bible. So let's see what the New Testament says about this Old Testament passage. God says he will strengthen us. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul writes, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, is Paul talking only about fear? No. But he mentions hunger and need, two areas about which people are fearful. And Paul knows that God strengthens him. Next, God says he will help us. In John's Gospel, Jesus tells his disciples, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Of course, Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit. 
who came upon the apostles in the upper room, you guys remember that, who also comes upon us and who resides within us when we're believers. And finally, God says he will uphold us. Uphold just means support, maintain. So God will support and maintain us with his righteous right hand. My friends, that's Christ. In Mark chapter 16, verse 19, we read this. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and set down at the right hand of God. Jesus is God's righteous right hand. So what does all this mean? It means God is with us. He is for us. He strengthens us when we live in Christ, when we live for him. He lives inside us as the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when you're saved. And he upholds us by Christ, our advocate, who sits at his right hand. That's the New Testament confirming this Old Testament passage. This is good news. We don't have to be afraid. And here's why. Here's the bottom line. Because God the Father says so. It's really enough by itself. He says so. Fear not. And so does his son. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Fear not. Now you're probably thinking, okay, what do I do with this? And if you are thinking that, good. That's what you should be. You should be thinking that. When you read something from the Bible, when you go through some passages, you need to find out what you're supposed to do with it. You're supposed to be doers of the word. It's time for action. The first thing is you need to get saved. If you're not saved, God is not with you right now. That's hard, I know. The Holy Spirit does not reside within you. You might even say God would consider you an enemy. Now, those aren't my words. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. God opposes the proud. So humble yourselves and submit to God. That's the best thing you can do to overcome fear. And your number one fear should be where you spend eternity. Second, pray. This is not a self-help lesson. I'm not trying to give you steps to make a better you. Okay, it doesn't work that way. This is about invoking help from God, our Father. And this is how it works. When you pray, God can remove your fear just like that. If it's his will, if that's what he wants to do. On top of that, prayer changes your focus from a problem, from a fear, to this immense, almighty creator God of the universe who made us all. The circumstances don't change. You change. God changes you. Your brain changes. Your perception changes. Your focus changes. Third, study 
fear in the Bible. There's power in there. I'm going to give you one way to do that. It's simple. Go to openbible.info. And there's a little place to type in the word fear. You can type in any word. It'll pull up all the verses that have that word in it. This is the results you'll get. And study them. Some of them won't make any sense to you. Maybe come back to those later. Now, if you have trouble with that, it's a little bit technical. Just head over to uh, Steve Dameron's house after the service. He'll walk you through it. He's one of our computer guys. Spend all the time you need there, right, Steve? Last thing, seek wise counsel. Proverbs. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Elsewhere, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And finally, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love your love God, love your neighbor. So when you bear each other's burdens, show in the love of Christ. None of us can do this on our own. I'll put all four of those up for just a minute. I'm going to ask Paul to work his way up. He's going to be closing us in prayer. I'm going to close with a story. The story's not about sin. It's not about blame or right or wrong. It's about the destructive nature of fear. There's a... There was a lady, a young lady, who had a baby. Everything was good. Life was good. After she had the baby, she decided, I want to get back into shape. Um, So she found a lake, and there was an asphalt path around this lake. I don't know if you've seen these before. Sometimes they're man-made, but it was like a park. Well-kept, clean. She would load up the stroller, take the baby to the lake, and they would walk around it. Simple, right? She got in the habit of doing this every morning, and it kind of became part of their routine. She liked it. The baby liked it. She was getting in shape. She was getting a little bit fast, just a fast walk. Nothing wrong with that. One day she heard some dogs or coyotes, I don't know, and uh, she was alarmed. She wasn't afraid. She was alarmed. So she decided, you know, I'm going to speed up. I'm going to pack up the stuff, and we'll get out of here just in case uh, those dogs head this way. Well, she stumbled, and she fell, and the stroller kept going. And it veered off the path, and when it hit the grass or the underbrush, whatever, it fell. And when it fell, it threw the baby into the lake. Now, this lady almost drowned when she was younger and had a a phobia of water, of drowning, of lakes. And that fear was so strong that it overcame her maternal instinct to jump in. She was paralyzed. And the baby drowned. She screamed and yelled and cried and pled until she couldn't do it anymore. And she collapsed. And when help arrived, all she could do was point towards the lake. Now, when you show up and you see the mom and the stroller, you know what happened. 
So the person jumped in. The baby was right where she was pointing. He picked the baby up, and it was that moment that they realized that the water was about this deep, three feet deep. That is the destructive nature of fear. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Let's pray. Would you stand, please? Dear Lord, gracious Heavenly Father, uh, I know that in my life, I can, uh, when a situation comes along, I think about the past, how the Lord has worked in different situations in my life in the past, and that helps me to get through the situation that I'm facing right now. So hopefully that'll be a help. And Lord, uh, interestingly enough, today I saw a, a video about the uh, Coptic Church, Coptic Christian Church in uh, the Middle East that's under persecution from the uh, Muslims and all of that thing. And uh, they were in a worship service, and by looking at that service, you would never know that they were persecuted. They were worshiping God, their hands raised, and they were singing it at the tops of their voices, Lord. So I pray that as we leave this place, uh, this place of comfort, that you would uh, be with us as we leave, uh, face the world, Lord, and uh, know that God is with us and that we don't have to fear. So I thank you in Jesus' name.